We have heard uh, Pastor John in recent weeks uh, speak prophetically about our church being at a crossroads. And uh, that that is something that uh, in this week, as I was just looking to stay tuned into the Spirit of God and see the direction we need to go this morning, that's something that just uh, really rang in my heart. And uh, if you've got Joel chapter 3, let's take a look at verse 14. It says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And as Pastor John has ministered in recent times uh, concerning where the church is at at this time, uh, being at a crossroads, I, I, I really had it on my heart this week to be able to talk about what to do at the crossroads. What to do when you're at the crossroads. A place of decision. As a matter of fact, the, the word crossroads, if you were to look it up in the dictionary, you'd have the obvious definition, which is the place where roads intersect. But, but there's another definition that, that is really fascinating, fascinating to me and very well hits where we're, we're going this morning. It, it, one of the definitions was this, a point at which a vital decision must be made. Come on now. A point at which a vital decision must be made. So here we are at the crossroads, or as the, the prophet Joel put it, in, in the valley of decision. At a point where a vital decision must be made. And so that, that's the direction we're going to go this morning. We're going to talk about what to do when you're at the crossroads. Now, I know Pastor John has spoken about us collectively as a church being at crossroads uh, but I am confident in this, that there's a lot of you in your own individual lives at the same place. At a point where you need to make a vital decision. At a point where you need to make a decision that is going to affect things to come for, for you and your family. Because what you choose for you doesn't just affect you. Has anybody figured that out? Hey. It doesn't just affect you, it affects others around you. And that's why we need to be sure to make the right call. Amen. You know, I, I thought of some instances in Scripture where people were at a crossroads and I uh, couldn't help but think about the prophet Elijah on top of <laughs> Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal and the children of Israel there as well. And he made this statement, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord's God, then go ahead and follow him. And if Baal's God, go ahead and follow him. And I believe there's a point in our life where we need to make the decision. 
who are you going to follow? Now, now keep this in mind. You can, you can say one thing and, and your, your talk can be one way and your walk can be another, you know? You, you can say, I'm, uh, I'm following the Lord. I'm going after the Lord. Let's say the pulpit here is representing the Lord. And you can say, yeah, I'm following the Lord. And you can say it. But, but the thing that's telling what you're really doing is where your feet are walking. So, so if you're saying I'm following the Lord, but, but you walk in the opposite direction, guess what? You ain't following the Lord. But, but it's time to not be, uh, faltering between two opinions or, uh, uh, you know, seesawing or, uh, doing the, the teeter totter. I don't know if I should go this way or I don't know if I should go this way. Find out what the Lord's way is and go that way. I'll tell you, we're certainly glad this morning that Jesus, when he was at a crossroads, did not mess around with the decision he needed to make. When he said, Lord, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, then let it pass. But if not, not my will. But yours be done. And so we're, we're going to deal with four things today regarding what to do with the crossroads and the significant, the significance of what's happening at crossroads in our lives. First of all, uh, we're going to see that crossroads are a place of decision. Secondly, we're going to see that crossroads are a place of denial. You may have to deny yourself of a few things. When you get to the point where you need to make the vital decisions of life. We're also going to see that the crossroads is a place of destiny. What decision you make can either take you towards your destiny or away from your destiny. And we're also going to see that at the crossroads, it's a place of deliverance. You make the right call when the pressure's on. You make the right call when the heat is on. You can see the mighty delivering hand of God in your life. Hallelujah. You know what? Why don't you go ahead and uh, open to Matthew 23. And while you go in there, let me read a few other verses to you. First of all, over in Proverbs 1, right about verse 28 and 29, you've got wisdom speaking in that chapter. Wisdom's crying out in the streets. And wisdom makes this statement. (laughs) says, there's going to come a time where the, the, you might call on me, but I won't answer. You might seek me diligently, but won't find me because you hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And, and th- that's a pretty heavy thought to, to think of ever being in the place where you'd call and not be heard. But it all goes back to decisions made. If you did not choose the fear of the Lord, then it's your own choice that put you in that predicament. Over in Isaiah uh, 65, 12, it talks about uh, judgment that would come upon the people. And the reason why, God said, is because when I called, you didn't answer. When I spoke, you didn't hear. But you did evil before my eyes and you chose that in which I do not delight. 
You did not choose what he delights in. You chose what he does not delight in. And here's an interesting thought I want to uh, lay on you. How many times, putting these two verses together I just mentioned, that Proverbs 1 and Isaiah 65, how many times do we expect him to answer when we call after we have not answered when he called? Oh, Lordy. That's a pretty serious thought. I mean, we always want to be able to count on the Lord that when I call in the time of trouble, he's there to hear me. (laughs) And we get all excited about that, and rightfully so. But when the Lord calls on you, do you answer? When the Lord calls on you, and when the Lord has given you direction in the time of decision, do you listen to that or do you kind of pretend that you didn't hear anything? You, you know what's interesting is that any time that we pretend that we did not hear or, or try to talk ourselves out of something, say that must not have really been the Lord... What you do is really you, you put your spirit in a, a, a confusing spot. Because the next time you really need to hear from the Lord and he talks to you, you're going to hear the voice that the last time you told yourself and convinced yourself wasn't him. Do you see the dilemma there? You see, we need to just be honest with ourselves, not get ourselves confused, not get our signals mixed. When you know it's the Lord, you admit, yes, that's the Lord. That's the direction I have to go. I have no other alternative but to obey him. And then you keep yourself from ever getting in a scenario where the voice that I, I think is him this time was the voice I was trying to talk myself out of being him the last time. Are you with me on that? So i tell you what, I want to always be sure that when he calls, I answer. Because, you know, I, it, it's called sowing and reaping, you know, the, the law of sowing and reaping, what you sow, you reap. If I want to be heard in the time of trouble when I call on him, then, then I, 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 I sowing some seed in that direction. When he calls on me and gives me some direction, I need to answer him. And my answer needs to be, yes, Lord, yes. Always say yes to him. Always obey his direction. It always pays off. Well, I told you to go to Matthew 23. I want to take a look at something here that Jesus said. And, and what this is about, this is about the, um, the, the way that by our decision we can actually limit God. Where he'd want to do something, want to take us somewhere, want to bring us to a place in our life. But by our decision, we've not allowed him to do what he really wants to do. Uh, uh, verse 37, Jesus looks out over the city of Jerusalem and says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as the hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Think about that. That that there was something here that Jesus really wanted to do. It was God's will. You couldn't say it wasn't God's will. 
So it wasn't God's will that was a factor here. It was the will of the people. They were not willing and therefore God could not do for them what he really wanted to do. What they did there is what Psalm 78 41 calls limiting the Holy One of Israel. Now I tell you, your brain goes tilt at the thought that you could do something to limit God. But you sure can because the word says so. I mean, you, you can't help but think of Jesus in his hometown not not being able to do many mighty works because of their unbelief. People limited God by the, the wrong choice they make. But the flip side of that, the good news of that is when you make the right choice. When you make the God choice, when you choose to obey him and follow him, you're putting yourself in the position where he can do everything he wants to do. Where there is no limits. If you can limit God with a wrong choice, then by the right choice, you can put God in a position where there's no limits. Hallelujah. I'd much rather be there. Amen. How many of you remember uh, Martha and Mary? Martha's busy working in the kitchen, and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing his word. And uh, interesting thing, Martha got mad and basically said to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that I'm just working my finger to the bone in the kitchen, and my sister is here just sitting and And leave me alone to do all the work. And Jesus' response to her was, Martha, Martha. You're worried and troubled about many things. But he made this statement. I want you to listen to this real closely. This is over in Luke 10, right right in 38 through 42. Jesus said, Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Mary made the right choice when she was confronted between working in the kitchen and feeding 13 hungry men, Jesus and his 12. But Mary chose to sit and listen to the word of Jesus, put herself in a position Where she chose what Jesus called the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. How many of you realize decisions are important? Decisions are important. You know, um, why don't you uh, open your Bible to Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, of course, one one verse often quoted along this line is out of Joshua, where he said uh, in in the 24th chapter of Joshua in verse 15, he said, if it seems evil to to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. Much like what Elijah said on top of Mount Carmel, make up your mind. Choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods that your father served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell now. But as for me and my house, 
I knew you knew that one. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's decision time. This is what you need to do at the crossroads where it gets right down to it and you need to make a decision of which way you're going to go. That's where you say, I'm going to be on the Lord's side. Deuteronomy 30, are you there? Very, very simple. But, but uh, you know, it, it's something that it seems we can never hear enough. Verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you. That I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, come on. You, you know, God's made it easy for us. I mean, this is an open book test. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't you love it when you get the answers ahead of time? I mean, I know we got some smart folks in the house. There's some of you graduated high school. Some of you graduated with a bachelor's, a master's, a, a doctorate, you know. Uh, so some, some of you graduated top of the class. Some of you were magna cum laude and summa cum laude. And some of you graduated and said, thank you, Lordy. But, uh, but in this case here, we're, we're dealing with an open book test. Open book test. Just in case. It's as if God were saying, just in case you're not bright enough to know which one to choose. I'm going to tell you which one. Choose life. And notice who's affected. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And once again, there it is. That the choices you make don't just affect you. The choices you make affect others. Boy, the choices you make sure do affect your children. So one lay that foundation of the importance of making the right decision. And I want to give you this. This is a Philippians 1.9 out of the contemporary English version. Philippians 1.9 out of the contemporary English version of the Bible. And I call this the crossroads prayer. As we're talking about making the right decision at the crossroads. Listen to this. I pray that your love will keep on growing and that you will fully know and understand how to make the right choices. Oh, come on. Let's read that again. I pray that your love will keep on growing and that you will fully know and understand how to make the right choices. Here at the crossroads, first of all, it's a place of decision. And you need to make the right decision. The right decision is always the Lord's decision. The way he's calling you to go. The way he's, what he said to do about it. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I, I can't help but think of the, uh, uh, the, the movie we saw back a few weeks ago. Courageous that we watched here on a Friday night. Uh, the, one of the gentlemen in the film is, is actually being tested and didn't even realize he was being tested. He was asked by his boss whether he would be willing to, uh, uh, I don't know the exact scenario, we'll put it like this, that, that uh, would, would he be willing to say that uh, uh, 17 shipments came in even though 15 came in? 
would, would he be willing to fudge the numbers? So we need your answer tomorrow morning. So he came in the next morning, and as a man of God with integrity, knowing he might lose his job, but he sat there and said, no, I can't do that because it's wrong. I'm sorry, but I can't do it, won't do it. And then the man uh, put his hand out like that. What did he say? Congratulations, you're just the man I'm looking for. Because you got integrity and honor. Hallelujah. Decisions matter. And you know, when you make the right decision, oh, I'll tell you, God will take your places when you make the right decision. I mean, it can set up your future in an amazing way. One right decision. One decision to not compromise. Hallelujah. The second thing we see at the crossroads, we see the importance of making the right decision. But, but we also see this, that, that sometimes in the making the right decision, that there's a time of denial. I'm not talking about you living in denial. I'm talking about you denying yourself of some things that you may want to have. Jesus said, Luke 9, 23 and 24, uh, that if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will save it. And uh, I, th- that is absolutely so significant that, that, that for us in our lives, that, that when we come to the crossroad, that we do one, uh, we, we do two things. First of all, we, we follow the, the way of the, the cross of Christ. And also right along with that, we're taking up our own cross. We're embracing the cross of Christ and walking in the redemption that was purchased for us on that cross. And enjoying the benefits thereof. And walking in the, the, what was paid for at that cross. But we're also taking up our own cross. As Jesus instructed us here. And following him. And we do this daily. Jesus talked about denying yourself. And I'm going to tell you this. That when you come to the crossroads. There's going to be the opportunity to either go the way of what may be more convenient. Or what's right. And there are times where in the name of doing what's right, you may have to deny yourself some temporary convenience. But I tell you this, that if we live life only for convenience and comfort, that will inevitably lead to compromise. Hey now. I said if we live life only for convenience and comfort, that will inevitably lead to compromise. Remember this. Convenience must never take the place of conviction. Oh, yeah. Convenience must never take the place of conviction. There's going to be times where there are certain roads that seem the easier road to take. Some roads seem the easier way to go. It's more comfortable and it's more convenient. But but a lot of times, if you just follow the road that is comfortable and convenient, there's that little string attached to it that can ultimately lead you into a place of compromise. 
But there's, there's that time where you take a stand for what's right. You know what's right. You do what's right. And it's not always comfortable. It's not always convenient. It doesn't always make you feel good and warm and fuzzy. But what's right is right. And what's wrong is wrong. And, and we need to look at life as the way God sees it. There's light and there's darkness. There's no blend of the two. You either have one or the other. And, and, and so we, we gotta be people who, who view life in terms of black and white and not in shades of gray. Because God does not see life that way. So if you're going to view your life that way, you are totally off track from the way God sees things and his perspective on things. Because that's called mixture. That's called, you know, having the, well, it's 95% right. And it's just 5% off. That's like, uh, you know, this steak is 95% USDA choice. It's just got a little poison in it. <laughs> Isn't there a Bible verse that says a little leaven? Leaven's the whole lump. So we got to be hard line when it comes to these things. Say, I'm, well, you know what? Uh, that, that's that's a tough line to walk. No, it's, it's really not that tough. I mean, it, it's it's tough if you do what you want to do and you end up with a whole lot of problems and a whole lot of issues that you wouldn't have otherwise if you obeyed God. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That might seem like you're paying the price at the moment. Fooey. Paying a little price of a little lack of comfort and convenience for the sake of eternal benefit and value. And for the sake of something that's not just going to benefit you in the days to come. The scripture says that godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is. And the life that is to come. I'm not just talking to you about something that's going to benefit you when we all get to heaven. No, I'm talking to you about something that's going to benefit you right here in this life as well as the life to come. Hallelujah. Now I tell you, Paul knew the 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 importance of denying himself. He's the one who said in 1 Corinthians 9.27 that I keep my body under. I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Paul knew the price of denying himself when when he could have otherwise been quiet and not said something and not stirred up some things and gotten himself in trouble. But no, he said what he needed to be said. And it caused him to refer to himself often as the prisoner of the Lord. It didn't bother him any. As a matter of fact, it's often been said Paul would have been great on Wall Street because he was always into stocks and bonds. But it didn't bother him any. As a matter of fact, you read the, the last chapter of the last epistle he wrote. The last epistle he wrote before he went home to be with the Lord. Second Timothy chapter four. He talks about all the things he went through. And he says, out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Glory to God. 
You think about Moses. Hebrews 11 reveals this. That by faith he did this. That when he came to age, he, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And chose rather, he made a choice to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. The old King James says, then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And always remember this when you're facing decisions. That, that there are some things that will promise pleasure to you. But that is very short-lived pleasure. Short-lived pleasure and long-term headache. Now, God has another option. In his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So let's see, I can go the wrong road and I can get pleasures that only lasts a little while. But I can go the right road and get pleasures that, that first of all, they're not going to hurt me. But these pleasures aren't just for a little while. These pleasures are forevermore. Hey, that's what I call a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. Which direction will you go? How about pleasures forevermore in the presence of God? Amen. Well, let's move on. We're talking about the importance of what we do at the crossroads and what we need to do at the crossroads to be successful. You've got to make the right decision. You've got to make the right decision, even when it means you may need to deny Yourself. The next thing I want to reveal to you this morning is um, that we need to make the decisions that are in line with God's destiny for our lives. And if you don't know your destiny, you need to spend more time with the manufacturer to find out what he wants you to do. I just, it's amazing to me that the people that sit like a bump on the log and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Well, are you just going to go ahead and spend the rest of your life saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Are you going to spend some time with the one who can tell you what you're supposed to do so you can get going on what you were put here to do? I feel the anointing this morning. Come on now. Let's take a look at some things. Why don't you open your Bibles to to the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4. Talk about making decisions that had to do with destiny. (laughs) Esther had to to make some some decisions that not, not just affected her destiny, but actually affected the destiny of her people, God's chosen people. See, back during this time, the 
the, the king. Esther's husband, because Esther was the queen. The the king uh, uh, had, had this guy he promoted in the kingdom who was really second to himself. This guy's name was Haman. Now, H- Haman, uh, uh, his philosophy regarding the Jews was much like that of Adolf Hitler or Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. He wanted to wipe them off the earth. And so this was found out and there was some discourse going on between Esther and her cousin Mordecai. But but the interesting thing is that Esther ended up being queen. She didn't run for queenhood. That's not the way it happened. But but through through a course of events, she found herself in the palace. She found herself being the one picked to be queen. But neither the king nor Haman knew that she was a Jew. So I just wanted to say say a few things there to uh, uh, set up the scenario and for you to understand that that Haman, being the one who initiated the edict to wipe out these people off the face of the earth and got the king to agree to it. Which is an interesting scenario that the king agreed to wipe out his wife and his wife's family and didn't even realize it. Let's take a look at verse 10. It says, Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law. Put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself, this is Esther speaking, have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. So this is Mordecai's response to Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. This is amazing stuff. Because first of all, you can see the hand of God moving behind the scenes to get her into an influential position 
at just the right time where the Jews needed some good representation from someone in an influential position. And she had a choice to make. She could have just go ahead and uh, covered her own behind. And not said a word. And have the blood of Lord knows how many people on her hands. As opposed to going into the presence of the king. At the risk that he may not lift up that golden scepter and say, come on in, queenie baby. But she made a decision that was not based on anything else but destiny. She saw destiny in this decision. She saw not just her own destiny, but the destiny of a people in this decision. To remain quiet or to go ahead and say something. And she approached the king. And the king raised a golden scepter to her. And she made a banquet that she invited the king and Haman to. And let me tell you this. The way it all turned out, the king was not happy when he found out that he was being set up to kill his wife and her family and her people. And this guy Haman, who had some gallows set up for the hanging of cousin Mordecai. Guess what? It wasn't Mordecai on the gallows. It was Haman on the gallows. Come on, somebody. When you're faced at the crossroads with a decision that you realize it's more than a decision of what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. This is a decision of something that's going to take me into my destiny Or something that's going to remove me far from it. And there are those moments in time. Where if time were to be able to stand still. And you could just look at the snapshot of that moment. You say that's the moment. Where it all comes down to this. I mean that's the moment where it's. Your team is down by three runs and it's the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded and there's three balls and two strikes and you up at the plate. It's your moment. What you going to do with it? Come on now. I think about Elisha. The understudy. Of the prophet Elijah. And Elisha was at Gilgal. The Lord said to go to Bethel. And Elijah said, well, Elisha, why don't you stay here? And Elisha said, oh, no. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm stuck to you like glue. Then Elijah said, hey, Elisha, you stay here. I'm going to Jericho. And what Elisha say? Oh, no, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, you ain't getting rid of me. And he's about to leave Jericho and go to Jordan. Said, Elisha, why don't you stay here? The Lord told me to go to Jordan. 
And Elisha said, guess what? I ain't going nowhere. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm not leaving you. How significant was that? Because for Elisha to get what he needed to fulfill his destiny, the double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah, he had to stick with him like glue. He had to be in a place where he could be with him and see him when that chariot took him on up to heaven. Because later on in the chapter uh, 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 where it describes that story, which is Second Kings 2, uh, Elijah said, Elisha, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And, and part of the what he needed to do in order to get that was he needed to see him when he went up. Which means if he had stayed back and then it stick to the prophet like glue, he would have missed out on the very thing that was his calling and destiny in life. There are times where you got to make decisions that have an effect on your destiny. I mean, we are, we are right now dwelling in this church building, worshiping God, hearing the word of God today. Your children, my child, all over this building are being ministered to. And why is this happening today? Because somebody, as a matter of fact, two somebodies, I'll give you a hint. We got the picture right out there in the hallway. The founding pastors, the founding father and the founding mother of Faith Christian Center saw the moment of destiny and did what they needed to do to fulfill the call and the destiny of God on their lives when it wasn't convenient, when it wasn't comfortable, when they didn't talk the same way here as they did down in their old Texas country. They didn't have the same kind of good food. You know, the uh, Mexican restaurants are around now, but Mexican restaurants weren't always so abundant around here. And people that had to lay aside comfort and and convenience for the sake of making the decision to fulfill the destiny of God for their life. And we are right now this morning enjoying someone else's obedience. So let me ask you a question. Has anybody got the benefit of your obedience yet? Things that make you say, hmm. (laughs) All right. And as we wrap up today, we see this. That the crossroads is a place of decision. It's a place of denial. There's times where in this decision-making process, you got to deny comfort and convenience for conviction. We see it as a place of destiny, but we also see it as a place of deliverance. You know, the the book of Daniel has some some wonderful illustrations 
real life examples of seeing deliverance come out of a crossroads experience. Where you had three Hebrew boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the third chapter of Daniel. Who were confronted with the decision to bow or not to bow. And they made their decision to not bow. Let me read to you the words that they spoke in Daniel 3. As the, as the king ordered them and ordered everybody, when the music starts, you bow down before the image I made. And if not, you're getting thrown into the fiery furnace. And look at the response here. Daniel 3, 17 and 18 says this, that they, they responded to the king. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not, will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. And as a matter of them. Making a decision that was not based on convenience because it would have been real convenient. We'll just do a quick bow and go right along. Just to please the king and appease the king. But no. Said king, we bow to the Lord God and the Lord God alone. So we ain't bound to anything else or anybody else. And if the price is going in the fire, then go ahead and put me in. But my God's a delivering God. And guess what happened? See, here's the thing. We we, we know these stories. I mean, some of you have been in church for a while, heard these in, in Sunday school. But these ain't stories, cute little stories. These are real life occurrences. Where these three guys were put into the fiery furnace. And the king looked. And, you know, he said, one, two, three. Who's the fourth guy? And the form of the fourth man walking around in that furnace was like the son of God. When you make the right decision, when you're at the crossroads, it's a place of deliverance for you. It may look like you're going down. It may look like you're toast. But let me tell you, you're coming up out of there without the smell of smoke on you. You might think, how can I be in the middle of the fire and not come out smelling like smoke? Well, you just ask God to explain that one to you. But you can be sure that it will happen to you just like it happened to those three young men. Just like Daniel when he was, uh, uh, there was an edict. Someone came up with this idea. The king thought it was a great idea. Nobody should request anything of anybody else except you, O king, for 30 days. And the king said, oh, sounds like a great idea to me. I don't know what he was thinking. And these guys that convinced the king to to put out such an edict came up with an idea because they knew Daniel and they knew Daniel's practice. 
that three times a day you're going to see him kneeling in front of that window that's facing the direction of Jerusalem. Come on now. And Daniel found out about the edict. And you know what he did? He did the same thing that he always did. And as a result, and the king regretted it because the king showed favor to Daniel. But the law was put out and he couldn't change it. And Daniel went into the lion's den. But what happened? God is a delivering God. (laughs) Those lions were, uh, one was the pillow and the other one was the blanket. Are you hearing me today? So when you make the right decision, When it's on the line and you make the right decision, you see that God is a deliverer and that there's deliverance for you when you make the right call at the crossroads. Sometimes it's not easy. How many of you remember Jairus? And he had... Went and got Jesus and said, my, my little daughter's at the point of death. Come on, come on and lay your hands on her so she would live. And Jesus was going right along. And there was an interruption along the way by one known as the woman with the issue of blood. And, and you can think what is going through Jairus' head right now. Uh, he, here I am trying to get Jesus to my house as quickly as possible. And I got to deal with a woman with an issue. Oh, Lordy. And so, so she gets healed, has a little testimony service, telling everybody what the Lord did for her. And then more people come from Jairus' house and say, don't bother the master any further. Your daughter is dead. It's a crossroads moment. But. Jesus said, fear not, only believe. Why did Jesus say that? I'll tell you why. Because if he did fear and he did not believe, his daughter would stay dead. Jesus wasn't telling them to do something just for the sake of telling them to do something. Jesus gave them some instructions that that were so specific that meant this. Jairus, what you do with what I just told you, whether you do it or not, is going to have every bit of an effect on whether you ever see your daughter again or not. What will you do at the crossroads, at the point where you need to make the right decision? Will you let doubt and fear set in? Or will you hear the words of Jesus ringing inside your spirit? Fear not, only believe. Let me tell you one thing real quickly in closing. Um, About three or four weeks ago, my wife had gone to the doctor and was uh, diagnosed with diverticulitis. 
but also at that same visit. The doctor said, we, we see something in there that, that is of concern to us because we see uh, a thickening right around the colon wall that just might be colon cancer. And so she left the doctor and called me and told me what's going on. And you know what we did? We got together and we made a decision. And you know what our decision was? Because we was going to find out in 10 days you know, from, from the next test, whether it actually was colon cancer or just inflammation due to the diverticulitis. And so we made a decision. We're going to just go ahead and live a happy, normal life for 10 days. And we're not going to sweat and we're not going to fear. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Let me tell you, we, we got some verses to stand on. And because what, one of the things that the doctor said about uh, uh, the, the situation was specifically about the, the wall of the colon. I, I said to my wife one day, I said, we need to get some good wall scriptures. <laughs> and so I, I, I found one that was speaking of the city of Jerusalem. It says, prosperity will be within thy gates and peace. Shalom within your walls. And you know what we did? We just danced around the kitchen like this. We just had church in the kitchen. Because we made a decision that on the the what if, we weren't going to live 10 days in fear. As a matter of fact, knowing that there was another cat scan coming up, we had this outlook on it. We're going to tell the cat how to scan. And then 10 days later, went and got a clean bill of health as far as the diverticulitis is concerned. And whatever the thickening of the wall was, whether it was colon cancer or whether it was inflammation due to diverticulitis one way or the other it wasn't there so what do you do at the crossroads are you going to sweat it pastor Sam used to say that the 11th commandment was thou shalt not sweat it (laughs) glory to God don't fear only believe In the valley of decision, what will you do? Make the right decision. The decision that leads to the will of God. The decision that may not lead to comfort and convenience, but will ultimately lead you to where you need to go. The decision that will lead you to your destiny and the decision that will lead you to God's deliverance. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah.